Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And today we are going to be talking about one of the deepest positions in Colorado that is all, always a very deep position here on episode 98, talking about the top five class of 2022 running backs here in the Rocky Mountain State here. And, you know, I think that this is going to be a very exciting episode with some great playmakers. And Simon and I, we looked through a lot of guys' film. We had a very extensive list. I mean, when we first started this list, I want to say there was close to 30 names on here. Uh, just because there's that many backs that put up productive numbers and got in the end zone and, you know, made plays, seeing as that in Colorado, you know, running the ball is an identity for a lot of teams. So it was no surprise that we had a lot to kind of whittle through. And uh, along the way, we kind of also decided that we're going to do another top five list for a position that also runs the ball, but is not quite a running back. So stay tuned for that. But uh, without further ado, Simon, do you want to talk about, you know, our number five running back here who, you know, we have rubrics for based off of vision, footwork, receiving capabilities, power, explosiveness, agility slash change of direction, speed, balance and body control, blocking, tackle breaking slash strength and acceleration. Add all those up. And who do you get here at number five in the senior class for running back, Simon? Boom. So at number five, the number five ranked uh, senior running back here in the state of Colorado. So class of 2022 is TCA's very own Cade Palmer. We've talked about this kid a lot. Talked about him on our end of the year award shows. He did win 2A Offensive Playmaker of the Year for us. Go ahead and check out that episode uh, if you want. That is episode 95. And so let me kind of break down his stats here. Uh, he has been starting since his sophomore year. Um, his sophomore year, he was extremely impressive. And obviously every year since then, he's been impressive. Career-wise, he has 4,018 rushing yards on 430 carries. So he's averaging basically nine yards a carry, which is absolutely insane. Uh, 54, uh, so yeah, 54 career rushing touchdowns, and then he does have two receiving touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Here he has been the basically the workhorse for TCA here for the last three years, basically single-handedly also brought them to state last year during the COVID year, and then this year he was kind of leading that backfield there. Just in case you didn't know who Kay Palmer was, just wanted to put some respect on his name as a senior. I'm going to go ahead and put these stats out there. He did have 1,541 rushing yards and 23 rushing touchdowns on only 123 carries, which is actually half of the carries he got his sophomore year. So just keep that in mind. On only 123 carries, he was able to do that much damage. But let me talk about Cade Palmer and his brand of football. Basically, first off, you know, I think he has very good vision. You know, vision, at least how I break it down, is not only the ability to see, you know, where you got cut back and where the hole is, but it also it's also the ability to see, you know, all right, you know, what blocks could I set up with my jukes and moves and all that so that I, I can get more yards here. And K Palmer is almost a master at that, man. Like, there are times where you could definitely see, you know, 
I mean, if you're sitting from afar, you could see the lane or the blocks that he has to set up. At least, you know, if you're a former football player, you could see that. And he does it, you know, time after time again. You know, he works himself up to the next level and to the next level until he's scoring a touchdown. And that's why he's able to get so many 50-plus yard uh, rushing touchdowns, basically, because he's able to see, you know, almost into the future and set up blocks here and there. Uh, his change of direction for somebody at his size, uh, at least th- this is what I'm going off of, off of Max. Yeah, at 6'2", 195, he has really good change of direction, you know, for somebody at his size to move like that. You know, that's D1, and he is going D1. He is going to Air Force, by the way, so just keep that in mind. And so that's kind of a big part of his game, you know. he just He's able to see, uh, you know, his blocks through and whatnot and set them up. And do his thing, and that's why he's kind of a home run hitter, you know, on this two-way level, and will probably be a home run hitter on the next level as well. I also want to put some respect, you know, on his footwork. Very smooth, obviously. If you're going to be making all these cuts, you got to have pretty crisp footwork. Uh, he has it, you know. Uh, acceleration is pretty solid for me. I have him at a 8.7 out of 10. Um, should I talk about how? Um, like rankings and all that go by the way or ratings go yeah you can explain our uh, one through ten system real quick if you'd like i think that's yeah. a good thing to do i'll do it real quick uh whenever we do film breakdowns this is what we're gonna go by we're gonna go by rubrics from now on just so that you the uh, listeners know kind of what's going through our heads but basically we have 10 categories here uh so it gives us a rating out of 100 so kind of think madden and all that um i'm a former teacher so this is how i set up this part of the rubric but basically if you get a one to three um what i mean it's not good your skill needs improvement uh it should be a priority for the player to work on in the off season is probably something that you could get benched over if we give you a rating four to six in any of the skill levels that's about average you know your skill isn't horrible but on a bad day, it's definitely below average. At best, it's maybe a little bit above average. Uh, you know, so that's where that is. If you get a seven to eight, think that's comparable to a two-star, three-star talent. You know, so if we give you a seven to eight rating, that's kind of you know the level a two-star, three-star would be at. Eight to nine, that's three-star to four-star. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of things to think about there. You know, that could be a pretty wide scale in general from eight to nine. So we do our best there. Um, but, you know, if you get anywhere from 8.5 to nine, then, you know, you're more of a four star eight to 8.5. That's or eight to 8.4, nine, I guess, is like a three star. And then nine to 10, that's elite, you know. For you to get a 10, which is basically impossible in any of these skill levels, basically that means that that skill that we're talking about is something that could translate to the NFL right now. As in, you know, as a kid, you could, um, you know, perform the skill on an NFL type of level, which is extremely hard, but more so four star, five star. So just keep that in mind. So boom. There you go. Just keep all that in mind. We'll probably post uh, our rubric results somewhere, maybe on our website. So there you go. But anyways, K Palmer, you know, I kind of have him rated as more of a three star, high four star as far as, you know, footwork and uh, vision goes there. So just keep that in mind. K Palmer is not rated right now, but 
I think a three-star would be very appropriate there. Now, before I take everything, Cody, do you have anything else you want to add on here as far as strengths go before you talk about areas of improvement? Yeah, sure thing. So I'd say that the highest rated things for me with Cade were, you know, just his overall acceleration. You know, I wouldn't say that he's, you know, drop off the fastest guy on this list, but I would say that he does get up to speed very quickly. Uh, and, you know, some guys on this list and, you know, a lot better than a lot of guys who just narrowly missed this list. It came down to that acceleration and just, you know, his agility and ability to change direction. I did give that an 8.7. And in turn with that, you know, I think that his footwork has a lot to do with his ability to change direction that well. So his footwork and agility slash change of direction kind of mirrored each other in the 8.7 category. And that's where I think he is most elite. Uh, but other than that, Simon, you think I could take it away on some areas of improvement here for Cade? Yeah, go for it. Perfect. So uh, one of the hardest scales for me to grade here, uh, just in general, has been blocking. A lot of you running backs don't put blocking film on there when you definitely should, especially in this you know evolving game of football that passes the ball so much. You need to be able to pass block here. And, you know, I, I gave him a decent rating because I think that he has a great frame and I think that there is some ability to block, but I definitely think that he needs improvement improvement in that area and then i think the next lowest one for me was his receiving capabilities he's i would say probably the worst receiving back on this top five list uh out of the guys who did make it and something that he needs to work on i don't see him in his film you know running different routes or different kind of receiving plays and uh basically had to you know refer to his defensive film uh for the most part for his positive points on his receiving uh for the most part and then you know i think that he could always get stronger you know he does show ability to carry some guys for a little bit but you know i think that if he fills out his frame just a little bit more uh, maybe even if it's another like five or ten pounds and he's able to maintain his speed then i think he could be very dangerous because i think a lot of his ability to carry people just comes from his acceleration and explosiveness rather than just his raw strength is kind of where I was at with Kate Palmer in areas of improvement. Uh, and, you know, I think most of this can just be solved by hitting the weight room uh, for the most part for Cade. And then obviously, you know, any uh, seven on seven work that he can get or even just doing some drills with wide receivers at times. Will, will I think that he'll be able to pick all of these things up pretty quickly uh, heading to that next level. Simon, what do you think of, you know, those areas of improvement? Do you have any other areas of improvement? And do you really see these as major concerns heading forward? Uh, well, short answers, though. I don't think it's major concerns moving forward. I think in general, you know, he's not like he's not like an elite like athlete i would say i think he's a very good to good athlete you know but he's not like somebody that's like a q jones right he's gonna outrun everyone and out hit everyone you know i think part of the reason why um he's able to kind of shed tackles and all that so well is because he is a bigger dude at 6'2 basically 200 pounds you know for somebody to move at that speed uh, especially on the two-way level you know that's causes a lot of problems 
right? You know, it definitely causes a lot of problems for a lot of defenders. So there's no surprises there, right? He should be able to dominate physically. Now, he is moving a step up. He's going to be playing D1 ball, especially for Air Force. We all know about the run game. It's pretty good. You know, they did win their bowl game, I'm pretty sure, too, by the way. And so I think they will get him conditionally up to snuff. Um, personally, top end speed wise, I kind of have him rated at an 8.5. You know, it's it's solid enough. Like it could get the job done if he hits the right holes. You know, on the next level, like he could definitely break off maybe a 50 or 60 yarder. Uh, you know, 50 or 60 yard touchdown. Uh, you know, three or four times a season if he's like really on top of it. But other than that, you know, I think I see him more as a guy that could be really good in short yardage, you know, especially if he gets stronger. And I think he can put on a little bit more weight, maybe even get to the 210, 215 range and be able to move as well as he does right now. I think he could be extremely dangerous on the next level. But like I said, there is definitely a little bit of a cap here. You know, he does have a lot of very good skills. Footwork I love. Vision I love as well. That's his highest rating for me right now, actually, uh, at a 9 out of 10. So basically a four-star level, which I absolutely love. And then, you know, you have a lot of other things that are up there as well. Uh, I do agree. Blocking could probably be better. I didn't see a lot of it. Uh, not that they used him a lot because TCA didn't pass the ball a whole lot or, you know, run the ball a lot with him blocking. But, you know, he does have a good frame at 6'2", 200. I mean, shoot, figure it out. There, there, there are linebackers at your size, too, maybe even smaller. So I think he can dominate those guys if he is asked to do that or at least do a, you know, a solid job. Yeah. So um, but I think we're starting off this list very strong with Kate Palmer here, a D1 guy. So that kind of sets the tone for this. And so with that being said, Cody, you know, what's uh, what's your outlook for Cade Palmer here? He's going to be at Air Force playing with his older brother, uh, Alec Falk, I think our number two rated offensive tackle in the class of 2022 will be joining him as well from Palmer Ridge. And so, you know, Air Force, they've been building these last couple of years, building their line, snagging some guys here and there, you know, and uh, snagging some really good Colorado players as well. But, you know, what do you, where do you think uh, Kay Palmer kind of lands here and how does his collegiate career looks like look like moving forward yeah so i mean looking at this air force depth chart right now they only have two running backs on the depth chart right now uh one being a junior one being a sophomore so i wouldn't put it past air force to potentially not put a redshirt on Cade palmer here now i'm not saying he's going to be getting starter level carries as a freshman but I think it's possible to see him on the field as a true freshman. We've seen opportunities and learned a little bit from some of these uh, guys from our past who, you know, skill position players. I feel like they have a shorter path to the field than linemen do at times. And, uh, you know, I think Cade Palmer won't be an exception there. And, you know, even if he does redshirt, I still see him getting carries in his first year, whether that's as a true freshman or whether that's as a redshirt freshman. I see him getting carries in that first year, honestly. Um, and yeah, I, th I think he's going to ball out. I mean, Air Force has a, you know, style of football that emphasizes running. And, you know, they've been a lot more successful over these past couple of years. I think Kate Palmer should be happy to be excited about that. And I think that Air Force should be stoked to have him as a part of that, honestly. Um, that's kind of where I stand with it. 
Simon, you you are down in the Springs. You know Cade uh, a lot better than I do. You've seen him live more than I have. Would you say that my assessment of that could could come to fruition? Yeah, I think it's completely possible that he gets snaps as a freshman, you know, not even special teams, but maybe even getting in the rotation here and there. You know, um, I think that's extremely possible for him. Like I said, he's a very well-rounded athlete. And so it's kind of hard to be like, eh, you know, let's see what the freshman got. You know, let's see if his skills translate to the D1 level of college football. You know, and so I think that's something that they might test out early on. And then we'll kind of see how he performs from there. But, you know, as far as like just kind of being the complete package, as far as height goes, athleticism, I mean, if we're grading just off of that, he's probably one of the best guys here. He's, I think he's the tallest back on this list and, and also maybe the second heaviest, really close to the heaviest on this list as well. So, I mean, you know, when you have a guy like that, you know, you only have two guys on your depth chart right now. I'm sure they recruited a lot of other guys and have other guys coming through the transfer portal or whatever. But, you know, I mean, you kind of want to see what you have in your freshman, right? And I believe you can play or get into – two or three games before you redshirt. But if you get into more than that, then you can't redshirt anymore. So just, just keep that in mind, you know? And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, all right, let's see if, uh, you know, we could we could get him some carries early on in the season before we redshirt him or, you know, get him some carries and that might decide whether we redshirt him or not. So, yeah, I think that's extremely fair. Kay Palmer, he's a good one out there. Uh, they're, they're getting a steal honestly, in Cade Palmer, you know, especially coming off a of senior year where he wasn't given that many carries, only 100 carries, which is, by the way, I think only 30 more carries than he got than last year, and he played in like four or five less games. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. You know, you got a guy that doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on him. So, you know, there you go. But, uh, Cody, do you want to say what your final grade was for Cade Palmer here? You could say a letter grade too. Yeah, my my final grade was basically a C, um, okay. like a, just a, a straight up C for Cade Palmer here. I think that's fair. I think he's a three star uh, recruit. You know, I think that I could very well have seen him playing. You know, at a CSU, definitely at a UNC, or you know, any anywhere FCS. And I think plenty of places FBS uh, would have been lucky to have Cade Palmer on their roster, honestly. So you know. Kudos to Air Force for, like you said, getting an absolute steal here. And, you know, it helps that their ear is to the ground right here in Colorado Springs. They've been doing a great job recruiting in Colorado Springs, probably better than any other school in the state, if I have to be honest. That's going to help them probably continue their dominance for the next few years. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my final take on TCA's Kate Palmer. Well, there you go. I had him rated at a C-plus, just below a B, but I still think he's a three-star. Maybe mid to lower three-star, you know, um, three-star is pretty, there, there's a lot of them, you know, but there's a pretty big range there. So there you go there. But uh, now we're going to go ahead and take a break before we talk about our number four running back in the class of 2022 here in the state of Colorado coming up next. What's good, Joe? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Villanos, and we're talking running backs here in the state of Colorado, class of 2022. 
and we already know this is going to shock you. So we're just going to rip off the Band-Aid. Coming in, in at number four with the same number of stars he has, four-star running back Gavin Sacha committed to Oklahoma. He is our number four ranked running back in the class of 2022 out of Valor Christian High School. I'm going to talk about the good things here, some of the reasons why he is rated as a four-star running back. Now, Gavin Sawchuk is at 5'11", 185. He might be a little bit heavier. Uh, you know, when we saw him at that media day, he did look a little bit lean. So I could even give him 200 if you really want there. And so right away, you know, frame, he is up there. I think the biggest thing I like about Gavin Sawchuk is probably his combination of speed and power. Um, his highest rating right here I have him at a nine as far as power and explosiveness go, you know, even though he's only 5'11", 185, or at least that's what he's listed at, you know, he could hit, right? And he could break some tackles as well. He plays a little bit bigger than what his size is, or at least what it's listed, you know? Um, and plus he has some pretty decent speed to go along with that. And, you know, Valor Christian, they love giving him the ball. He was basically their offense for a lot of this season, probably for a good majority of their season. And he was the workhorse for a reason. You know, he's a good athlete that has a good balance between that power, between that speed. I had his speed at around a eight, you know, six or seven. I think his top end speed may not be the greatest, but it's still up there. It's still D1, and that's obvious. And so I think that blend is the biggest reason why he did get rated at a four-star. Uh, his acceleration is right after for me at an 8.7. So, you know, that's those are all four-star ratings, at least for me, you know. Um, look, I, I mean, I think he, he's kind of the full package, you know, for Valor Christian. He's a guy that could carry the ball a lot of times, and he's just going to wear down defenses just by ramming into you like 30 to or 20 to 30 times a game, which is what Valor did, you know. And I think something that we didn't put down here uh, as a rating is probably stamina because I would say his stamina is definitely up there as well because he just gets after it. Now, they did manage some of his carries here uh, in his senior season, you know, and last year as well, giving him some, or giving some carries to his brother, uh, his younger brother, and then I think some to the quarterback as well. But, you know, for the most part, they did use him a lot. And, you know, he was basically fresh from first to fourth quarter. You know, he would just continuously, like, beat you down. And, I mean, honestly... He is, uh, I mean, he's somebody that is just a very, very good athlete. So, yeah, but that's why, uh, I mean, obviously he was going to make this list. So, there you go. But, Cody, do you want to talk about why he's maybe not ranked at least in the, well, at least higher than four here? Well, I'm going to talk about some, uh, talk about my strengths for him real quick. He had the highest rating from me in power slash explosiveness at a 9.2 and uh as far as balance and body control i also gave him a nine i think that he's going to excel very well you know in the system that he's heading to and i'll talk a little bit more about that in outlook because it gets me excited as a oklahoma fan but anyways you know i he rated very very high in some way in some areas like uh, tackle slash uh tackle breaking slash strength i give him an 8.9 and footwork, I also gave him an 8.9. And, uh, yeah, like you said, his speed is also very solid and whatnot. But without further ado, we are going to talk about some areas that 
you know, might impress or not impress, but might shock some people in in certain ways. So one thing I will say is, you know, this list, well, Playmakers Corner in general, we value versatility and we just have not seen versatility as a part of Gavin Sachuk's arsenal in his receiving game. You know, most of it is screens and swing passes and not a lot of them really jump off of the film to you. So, you know, I think he's a solid enough receiver. I think he can catch enough passes, but uh, it's it's not as good as anybody else that's further up on this list. Uh, just straightforward, you know, everybody on this list from this point forward has ran multiple routes out of the slot and has made incredible catch, like wow catches, you know, in their film and uh, against against all kinds of opponents. So there's that. I also want to say that, you know, I think his baseline speed is good. But I don't think he gets there very quickly. I think his acceleration is the worst in this top five list. I think that it takes him a minute to kick into gear, honestly. And uh, you can kind of see that against any range of competition. And lastly, you know, out of everyone on this list, his agility slash ability to change direction is the lowest out of these top five guys. I think that in order for him to change direction, at least Crossfield is a great reference for this because all these guys on this list, they eventually cut back across the entire field, right? Whenever Gavin does it, it feels like he comes to a complete stop and it feels like everything slows down whenever he does do that. So I pinged him pretty hard there in his agility slash change of direction. I still think it's three-star quality just because he is able to change direction and he does make some pretty solid cuts and jukes as well. That is something that helps him out pretty significantly here. And I actually had him rated tied for second, but we're talking composite score and overall versatility. So that's where Gavin kind of slips behind some of these other guys here. And, you know, I, I am going to acknowledge that he is one of the highest rated running backs in the country. But uh, we're looking for an all around guy. And when we compare it to somebody else who we did a breakdown of who's just above him, we feel that he's significantly more well-rounded than Gavin here. But overall, you know, Gavin, he's a great hammer to a nail kind of running back. And he will, you know, succeed in the system he's heading to. But before I talk about Outlook, I just want to toss it back to Simon. Because, Simon, you've been on this um, this crusade here for about a year. So do you want to kind of take me through your thoughts? As we noticed him go from four to three stars after last season. And you were calling it last season. You kind of want to talk about that as well as how this season impacted your view here of Gavin Sawchuk. Yeah, first off, I know what a four-star running back looks like. I grew up in Texas, so there you go. We have like a million four-star running backs if you want to go there. Um, even this year, you know, even this year as well. I still got homies down there. They still send me film of their guys. And so I know what a four-star running back looks like. To me, Gavin Sachuk, uh, he just didn't look like a four-star guy, first off. Um, first off, he <laughs> – oh, my gosh. Where should I start? Look. It's never a good thing where you're doing research on, like, linebackers, safeties, corners, whatever, and you're on a lot of people's, like, highlight reels. And I get it, you know. They want to be, like, you know, a lot of kids want to put on their highlight reel, like, oh, yeah, I got a good tackle against, you know, um, a four-star or an Oklahoma recruit. Like, that's not, like, abnormal, you know, for sure. 
but it's the way some of those highlights went. And I get it. It was his junior year, you know, but like the thing is you can't be embarrassed that many times. Look it up. Look up Jackson Muma. Look up Bo Frailer. And I get it. Bo, you know, he's doing his thing with Iowa State as a freshman starting. Uh, Jackson Muma, I mean, I where is he at? Black Hill State? It's like a D2. Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls, sorry. That's in uh, the Dakotas. But yeah, you know, still though, D2. You know, and then all these other guys, like, that's just never a good thing. And so right away, before I did any research, that was kind of a red flag. Um, look, I, like I said, I've seen four-star guys. Unless you're getting blown up by a fellow four-star or three-star, at least three-star linebacker, come on now. You can't have that, you know. But like I said, his power and explosiveness was uh, still rated pretty high. It was his highest rating after everything was said and done. I think the thing I was the most, I guess – down on after looking at all of his film after looking at all those state games especially when he's playing other d1 talent was his ability and change of direction uh it was not good it was not as good as i would think it would be for a four-star guy um he's just stiff you know there are a lot of running backs not even on this top five in our honorable mentions as well that are not as stiff as gavin sawchuk you know, and I get it that his running style is a little bit more brutal. That's fine. You know, my running style is a little bit more brutal. At the end of the day, you know, I'm evaluating you against, like, a bunch of other guys nationally as I feel like, you know, should be fit. You know, and, you know, surprisingly enough, we have evaluated guys nationally that are right up there with Gavin Sawchuk. So right now, at least according to 24-7 Sports Composite, you know, Gavin Sawchuk is the number five running back in the entire country congratulations that's great we have done breakdowns on the number four guy right above him nicholas singleton from governor mifflin uh at penn state you know we were really high on him i personally did a breakdown on Malik brown um was committed to oklahoma obviously flipped over to usc you know he's a five-star guy he's ranked two only three spots ahead of gavin there i think both of those guys are much better and Gavin Sawchuk. Their agility, uh, you know, ability to change directions is not as bad as Gavin Sawchuk. And that's a big deal because watching those Cherry Creek games, you know, obviously they have great athletes and Arden Walker, uh, Blake Purchase, Angelo Petridis, the uh, Zelinskis brothers, all of them, you know, but, well, both of them, you know, Miles Purchase, Al Ashford, all those guys, right? I understand that, you know, but that's D1 talent. On the next level, I mean, D1 teams are all made up of D1 talent, surprisingly. If you can't do any, if you're basically neutralized from sideline to sideline going up against D1 talent, then are you really a D1 talent? You know what I'm saying? I don't think he could get the best of a lot of those guys, and he didn't. That's why, you know, Cherry Creek basically scored what a combined zero points and two or sorry valor christian uh scored a combined zero points in two straight state championship games cody or did they score one touchdown his junior year no it was uh it was blank both years that's embarrassing i'm gonna be honest with you um we talk about signature games but also you could have games that define where your rating is and personally that's not good you know, that is not good at all. What that tells me is that you're an up, you know, you're a north and south runner, and that's fine, you know, but 
I mean, unless you get lucky or unless you're just built like that and you could run over all these D1 guys, you know, I don't know. A four-star guy is a guy like Leonard Fournette, in my opinion. Well, he was a five-star guy. But like Leonard Fournette, maybe a little bit less athletic, you know. I think that's kind of where I'm at there as far as four stars go with the running backs. And so that's just me. I'm very critical of him uh, from sideline to sideline. That's a really pretty big thing. Speed-wise, you know, I mean, it's all right, you know. Like he could maybe, you know, break off a couple of big gains here. But he's no Relique Brown, who's a home run hitter every single time he touches the ball. You know, I would say maybe like one out of six or seven times he could get out there, you know. And then another thing I wasn't a big fan of was his vision. Uh, and Valor Christian's line is really good. Caden uh, Parrish, the center, number two rated interior lineman in this class, you know. Um, at least that's how me and Mason rated it. Uh, Jake Michaela, the left tackle, I want to say, or Michaela, sorry, uh, number one rated tackle by far, you know, extremely great run blocker. And then all the other guys who aren't seniors are probably rated up there as well. You know, if you can't run behind that line that is basically made up of, you know, D1 and D2 talent, you know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And obviously he was able to do that, you know, which is why he was able to break Christian McCaffrey's record. But, you know, obviously on a ton more carries there. And so personally, you know, versatility is a big thing. Like Cody said, receiving is not all that. I'm not going to talk about that. But as far as athleticism goes, I don't think he has the athleticism of a four-star back. I think he's more appropriately a three-star back. So, boom, there you go. Cody, he's committed to Oklahoma, or at least he hasn't said otherwise, right? Um, what's his outlook? You tell me. If he well, goes to Oklahoma still. Well, no, no, no. He's, I feel like he's definitely going to Oklahoma because on December 5th, uh, 2021, so this was after, you know, this is – I'm pretty sure this is after the championship game. This is after the Lincoln-Riley move, everything, after he was asked about it at Media Day and, uh, you know, deflected it. He posted, for those who, <laughs> uh, for, for our of-age audience who has seen Wolf of Wall Street, uh, if, if you're one of our middle school listeners, uh, probably don't watch that movie. It's not for you. Uh, but anyways, I'm not here to parent. I'm here to talk about his tweet. Uh, he tweeted boomer sooner and the scene from Wolf of Wall Street where he says, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. So, uh, he is, I, it sounds like he's hard committed to Oklahoma, uh, for sure. To, despite the change. I think that, uh, you know, I kind of like his outlook here too. And I think that out of all of these guys here, he actually has the best, tools and path potentially to the nfl uh and what i mean by that obviously you know for those who don't know he was recruited by demarco murray uh former ou guy who did go to the nfl played for the cowboys and the titans i think were the only teams that he played for he might have played for another one but anyways you know a successful running back there what he played for philly oh he was also in philly right right also in philly also it wasn't memorable, so I understand, but go on. Mainly, you'll probably mainly remember him from the Cowboys to Marco Murray, but, you know, he kind of has an example to kind of follow there. I'm not sure if DeMarco Murray is still on that staff, but honestly, as an OU fan, I am kind of excited about the hire, uh, you know, and kind of the culture that's coming back to OU. You know, Lincoln Riley, offensive guy. OU's kind of returning to its tradition a little bit here by going with a defensive-minded guy. 
He's bringing in some of his guys from Clemson, eyeballing some assistant coaches from Bama. So, you know, OU, as they prepare to play in the SEC, you know, they're they're done with this finesse, uh, throw the ball around the yard kind of thing. I think they're returning back to that no-nonsense, strong defense because defense has been kind of a uh, lacking trait, I should say, of OU teams these past few years over the Lincoln-Riley era. And, you know, returning to that hard-nosed, defensive, control-the-clock, run-the-ball kind of OU of years past. You know, what the program is most known for, you know, under Bob Stoops and whatnot. And I think that that spells a great thing here for Gavin Sachuk. Now, looking at OU's roster here, they do have two senior running backs in Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis. So I think that he'll he'll probably serve a, a redshirt year. I think that would only make sense. But with how slim this is, it depends on the transfer portal and more commitments and whatnot, of course. But you could be looking at a situation where, you know, if one of these guys gets banged up, you might see a little bit of Gavin Sawchuk as a freshman. I would much prefer him to be redshirted and kind of work out some of these kinks in his game because I do think that he has the ability. I think that... You know, part of his struggles here at Valor was kind of the one dimensionality dimensionality that they used him to. Uh, watching the game against Creek, the game plan was uninspired, uh, to put it uh, lightly, I would say, for Valor's offense. It was a lot of just halfback dives or off tackles. Uh, they didn't try and get creative in the run game. They kind of really hadn't had to in years past with Gavin, you know, because he just usually dominates physically over defenses. But, you know, you're going to have to, to at some point, game plan. And I think that this OU staff will be very capable of that. And I think that they're going to be able to use him a lot more effectively even, which is crazy to think because of how effective he was at Valor. I think that they'll be able to use him a lot more effectively here at Oklahoma here. And it'll it'll kind of play well that he's running into kind of a similar I don't want to say philosophy but for lack of a better word philosophy or culture of running the ball tough running the ball often and uh you know running the ball on long drives and then keeping the defense fresh to go out and make some hard-hitting plays uh so Simon would you say that Gavin Sawchuk's path to the NFL out of all of these top five guys, probably has the least amount of obstacles and the most amount of assets here. Well, I, I just wanted to point this out because I think we're looking at the same depth chart. Uh, Jeremiah Hall declared for the draft. So that means uh, this past year, he was a senior. So him, uh, Jeremiah Hall, will be entering the NFL draft. Willis Braden is a senior, so I assume he's going to be um, graduating. Um, so that's halfback. On the running back side, you know, you have Kennedy Brooks. I would assume he would enter the draft. I'd be more surprised if Kennedy Brooks. I mean, I don't he, know. You tell me. He you, balled out in that Oregon game. So yeah, I don't. I think you you ride the high wave here with Kennedy Brooks. Okay. Um, so if I'm there. Kennedy Brooks, I'm out of there. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably out of there. I probably wouldn't wait for a whole new coaching staff and see what happens there, and maybe your stats go down. So, yeah, so Kennedy Brooks and Jeremiah Hall are both going into the draft probably. Um, and then that kind of leaves – you have a junior transfer in Eric Gray. 
He'll be a senior next year, I think. Um, you have a redshirt sophomore in Marcus Majors. Then you have another junior transfer in Jaden Knowles. So he'll be a senior next year as well. I would say as far as depth charts going, obviously you have Javante Barnes from Desert Pines, Las Vegas. Um, or sorry, Desert Pines. Uh, well, yeah, Las Vegas in Nevada. Um, I think either Alexa or Kenzie might have some sort of connection there. But regardless, uh, he is the number 10 rated running back in the country. Also a four-star guy. You know, he is going to be coming in as well. So I think he's Gavin's main competition. Before Lincoln Riley left, I think, I mean, this subject is going to hurt Cody. So I might as well, you know, take the bandit here. Before Lincoln Riley left, you know, I was definitely concerned about the playing time Gavin Sawchuk would get because Malik Brown is a dog, you know. Um, modern day, you know, he played for modern day, played for another school before. I think um, shout out to the homie Jonah Coleman. Uh, he told me to or he told us to look up Relique Brown. And so I did his film breakdown basically right after, you know, but I mean, Relique Brown was somebody who ran basically a four, three at running back. and was going to play receiver and running back probably for Oklahoma. He was going to be a, a kind of a beast. And then obviously Lincoln Riley left. And so Relique left with him to USC there. And so with that being said, uh, that was probably his biggest competition, you know, I've kind of felt like Malik Brown was even a guy that could replace Kennedy Brooks and compete for him, uh, compete with him for snaps when he came over. Because uh, that's how good I thought Malik Brown is. He is somebody that could, I mean, he's ex- he's that dude. He's an NFL player, straight up, you know. And so with that kind of be- being cleared out, you have some, you know, upperclassmen here. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma you know, maybe gets a Gavin some snaps here there early on in the season and then redshirt him, right, uh, before he plays too many games or, or whatever. Um, but I could also see him maybe getting a bigger role here because there's not as much competition, at least as of right now. Uh, Jaden Knowles is probably the favorite because um, he oh, had a pretty yeah. good game in that Oregon game. So Yeah. Um, you know, talking about guys that are still on the roster, by the way. So, yeah, but right now, yeah. January 6, 2022. Uh, I mean, you know, early signing day has already happened. I'm sure Oklahoma might snag a couple more running backs. By the way, those two running backs are the only running backs in the top 100, at least as far as running backs go, that Oklahoma has snagged. So they don't have any others coming, at least that are ranked in the top 100 ranked running backs here. So. So, yeah, so I think there is a good chance that he'll get some playing time early often, if not this year, next year, you know. And so I think his versatility will definitely be, you know, he'll get dinged for that, you know. And then I think you could also expect some chance versus coming. That's a normal thing, right? And so even with that being said, you know, like I think he'll get some playing time for sure next, not sorry, for sure his second year. But I wouldn't be surprised if he got some, uh, you know, this upcoming year here. So, uh, so I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, Oklahoma, they're maintaining at least one of these guys here. Gavin Sawchuk, I think, uh, could definitely learn a lot from DeMarco Murray. I think their play styles are very similar. DeMarco Murray wasn't like the fastest dude in the world or anything like that. But, you know, he was kind of a bruising back here. If he could get his agility up, get his change of direction up, which – First off, isn't exactly the hardest thing to do. Um, you know, he could he could be a threat, you know. But uh, we'll just have to see moving forward. 
Cody, is there anything else you want to add? I think I've said my piece about Gavin. I think that kind of wraps it up. And, uh, you know, um, save uh, save all your hate mail for, for the DMs. Uh, no need to make the uh, posts a messy place. And, uh, you know, we're here to listen, but our minds are pretty set on this, that uh, kind of no way you chop it up. He was not going to come out rated as number one. Um, and that's yeah, tough. I'm not. But, sure. uh, you know, he. I think he does have a great path ahead of him, and I think that he can improve these things and end up, you know, uh, having the longest career out of any of these guys, probably the easiest. Um, but with all that being said, we're going to talk about the rest of these guys and how great they were their senior year. Coming up, number three. Hi, all Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stauffer, joined here by Coach V. And we are talking the number three senior running back here in Colorado. And that is going to belong to a state champion. This will be a uh, reoccurring theme at least one more time following this guy. But a state champion here in Frank Ortega out of Fort Morgan. The five foot eight, hundred and eighty-five pound running back here, who kind of did it all for this Fort Morgan team and helped secure a championship for them and winning a three A uh, championship MVP on the way. I it, didn't he win the MVP for that game, Simon? Um, you, you were there. Yes, I think you did. Sorry, I'm thinking about mine too, but I. I I think I gave it to Briggs Wheatley, but yeah, no, he won, he won the MVP of that game, I think. Yeah. And, and in that game, you know, uh, it was, it was a tough sledding against this, you know, really good mead team, but ultimately, you know, he did finish that day with two rushing touchdowns as well as a reception against probably, you know, or at least at that point, the most on fire defense in three, a football, uh, all things considered here. And on top of that, you know, he also plays defense. So, you know, for one thing, his endurance is absurd. Um, and just his playmaking ability on both sides of the ball is phenomenal. And so talking about things that Frank Ortega does well, I rated Frank Ortega as having the best vision in this class. Actually, I gave his vision a 9.1. And it would not be the only nine here that he got as he did receive a nine in receiving. I also rated him as the best pass catching back. And for those who are kind of wondering why, well, he's one of the only guys who routinely lines up, split up outside in the slot in an H back position, running routes out of running back, you know, and a plethora of routes at that, you know, at running back, he does run, you know, your typical swing passes, your screen passes. He does find a lot of success on running back wheels, which you know, I wouldn't say it's an uncommon route for a running back, but the effectiveness of him running those routes, I think, is routinely spectacular. On top of that, he also does run that Texas route more than most other running backs and then just straight up out routes out of the backfield as well. And he does a great job at knowing the down and distance in order to capitalize off of said opportunities in the pass game. And with all that being said, you know, this year as a pass catcher, I'm pretty sure he paced most running backs in the state here, gathering up 
31 receptions for 884 yards and nine receiving touchdowns with his most predominant game against Niwat, who, you know, I don't think Niwat's a slouch. You know, they were a fringe playoff team and, uh, you know, a team that I think is pretty well coached, honestly, and they do a good job of maximizing their athletes. So and they routinely have some pretty decent athletes, I would say. So, you know, I think that was a great performance. Three receptions, 174 yards, and three scores. The very next week against Mountain View, he almost had 200 yards and two scores as well. So, you know, he's a great pass catcher. He's great at route running. He has phenomenal hands. And I think that's further evidenced, you know, by his defensive play. You know, we kind of consider that at times when factoring in receiving categories. And on the season, you know, he had 10 interceptions at safety, including three in the state semifinal against Lutheran and against Clayton Jacobs, who I think is, you know, Clayton Jacobs is a name you're going to hear on our top senior quarterbacks list. So with all that in mind, you know, he does a lot of things spectacularly through the air, but this is a top five running backs list. So talking about things that he does well as a running back, you know, like I said, his vision was the highest rated on this list. I think that his footwork is borderline four star with the 8.7. I think his agility I rated that at an 8.8, and it is, you know, the third highest on this list. I think agility and change direction has a lot to do. I think he's pretty fast, but I think his acceleration is even more impressive than his speed. He gets up to speed very quickly, and, you know, I think he just does a lot of things right in a lot of different ways. And, you know, if it if it weren't for Briggs Wheatley having a lot of the spotlight, being the talent that he is, Frank Ortega would definitely be the face that you know and you know if you he, he could dominate on any level one through five a with his intangibles as both a running back and a receiver and i think that he's one of the most overlooked prospects not only here in colorado but maybe the entire country just with what a great athlete he is and all the little things that he does well as well i think he's a very smart football player obviously being able to run multiple positions but you know at in the backfield, you know, one reason why I gave his vision such a high rating is, you know, I'll dink some guys who go east to west when they should just take what the defense gives them and head north and south. I think Frank Ortega has given me the least amount of complaints or, you know, my personal complaints on his game as far as deciding when to cut, deciding when to truck. He always just kind of knows exactly what is needed for what situation. And that is very obviously his strongest asset as a football player is just being very situationally aware and then being able to live up to the situation as well. So now that I'm done kind of raving here about uh, Frank Ortega, we do have another host here in Coach V. So I'm going to pass the mic to him and kind of let him speak his piece on Frank Ortega, the running back out of Fort Morgan. Yeah, so I actually got to see Frank Ortega play in that state championship game against Meade and Meade, you know, they're a very good defense, very disciplined, hard hitting. And so I already knew going into that game, it'd be tough. And so for Frank to do what he did in that game really impressed me and made a very good impression, honestly. But you know what? Let me talk about his stats real quick here. So uh, I'm just going to talk about his senior year. You know, I think that's fair. Obviously, he did play on the defensive side of the ball. He was actually one of our finalists for defensive playmaker of the year. 
um, on the 3A level because he also had three interceptions, or sorry, not three interceptions. He had 10 interceptions. Sorry, he had three interceptions in one game in the game that sent them to state, actually. So there you go there. But let me talk about him on offense. On offense, on 155 carries, averaging about six yards a game, um, or sorry, six yards a carry, he had 948 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. So, you know, pretty solid. But in the receiving game, this is where this, um, I mean, this is where uh, he really separates himself from a lot of the other running backs, even some of our receivers on our top five list in the state. You know, he has he got 31 receptions this senior year for 884 yards and nine receiving touchdowns. I'm just going to read off his top three highest receiving uh, games here, but it goes 193 receiving yards, 174 receiving yards, 157 receiving yards. And so that is pretty insane. Obviously, he's also playing defense. He's also rushing on offense. You know, I mean, he's doing his thing. So he legitimately is somebody that I could trust putting into the slot. And I think he could put some work in. You know, I think on the D1 level, he's somebody that you could put into the slot. He's going to go ahead, catch the ball, make a couple people miss, and then go get the first down. I think the thing I really like about Frank Ortega, other than the fact that he can catch the ball and run the ball, so there's a lot of versatility there, is his ability to break a bunch of tackles, you know. He is somebody with a lot of juice on him. Um, you know, he has a lot of moves as well. He has a pretty good bag between his jukes, spins, pivots, whatever. You know, he has it all. And, you know, he keeps you guessing. He's somebody that you don't really want to see one-on-one. You know, if anything, like, the best you can hope for is that maybe you catch an ankle, you know, one of his ankles, and that's enough to trip him up for half a second. But also... You know, he has that ability to speed up and get to his top end speed pretty quickly, uh, pretty quick here. But even then, you know, I mean, the highest rating I have for Frank Ortega is his balance and body control. I think he has arguably the best body control uh, in the entire state. You know, he's not somebody that's easily tripped up. You know, um, he's just a very, very balanced. You know, he's extremely hard to take down because of that. And, you know, for that reason, that's why he's able to get so many yards after contact and after the catch. He's just so dangerous there. But that being said, he is not our number one rated running back. And even if he was, there are things that he would need to work on there. So let me talk about some of those things. First off, you know, he is only 5'8", 180. Now, that doesn't automatically disqualify him from playing running back on the next level. But you could probably put on a little bit more here. I think as far as strength goes, you know, he could be a little bit stronger. Um, on this list in general, he's actually the lowest rated as far as power and explosiveness goes for me, you know, which isn't bad. I gave him a 7.6 out of 10, you know, so that's like uh, above average. So I think his body control really disguises a lot of that. You know, and I think body control and balance is different from like just pure raw strength, straight up, you know. And so I think that's definitely something to keep in mind, especially on the next level. I mean, he's only 5'8", 180. He's not exactly going to be somebody that's super difficult to tackle from a power perspective there. And so I think he could definitely get a little bit stronger. Um, I think receiving wise, I mean, I think he could play receiver on the next level potentially, you know, so that's not you know, the worst thing, but I think he could definitely continue to work on that, you know, continue to develop a couple more moves there. Um, not 
like I said, not as big as weakness there. But I think the thing that really dinged him and hurt him here was his blocking ability. And part of blocking, at least I'm just going to say this for me, uh, and I think Cody as well when we rated blocking, you know, if there's no blocking film out there, then we go off of how great a blocker you would be based off of your frame. You know, and he's 5'8", 180. Is he going to be able to stop a linebacker straight up on the D1 level who's like six foot, 210 plus? Uh, maybe i don't know you know i i would probably say no actually so there you go so it's rated out of five so just uh i would say i would probably consider that a little bit below average you know like i said i haven't seen a lot of it but i think you know if he really wants to separate himself he needs to be somebody that could pass protect in the pocket you know when the quarterback is throwing and all that so there you go there um before i talk about you know outlook here and all that cody do you have anything else you want to add on here as far as improvements go uh my lowest rated thing for him was uh tackle breaking and strength uh like you said his balance and body control kind of can hide that at times um and i think that the only reason he's ever able to is because of his acceleration but yeah i think that's just kind of a frame thing in my opinion um not to say that you can't ball out at 5'8", you know, 180. I'm pretty sure that the second highest rated running back is 5'8". Uh, he probably weighs more than 180 pounds. But the second highest rated running back in high school football, this upcoming class, is 5'8". So, you know, it's possible to ball out. But, yeah, he definitely struggled with just strength-related things. Like you said, blocking. Don't have a lot of faith or confidence in that. And I got to see him a little bit against Roosevelt. Uh, but... Honestly, you know, with the weapons that Fort Morgan had, they kind of couldn't afford to have him back to block a whole lot. If he wasn't running the ball, then he had to be a pass catching option is kind of what the layout look well, the layout looked like there. And obviously it worked to a high degree of success, seeing as that they were crowned state champs. But, you know, he definitely needs to hit the weight room, put on a little bit of weight, be able to push through guys, be able to throw I mean, geez, even if he was able to add, like, a really mean stiff arm to his game, I think that he would elevate, you know, probably into the two spot here. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with Frank Ortega. But he's so under-recruited. I can't find anything on his recruiting. Can you, Simon? No, he has zero offers, uh, straight up. At least from what I could see, maybe he doesn't, you know, and he just doesn't post about it. But from what I see, he doesn't have any offers. I feel like he would post about them if he did, because that's a pretty big deal. Um, look, he's real underrated. I think strength is obviously a big deal here, but it shouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, I listed strength as kind of his biggest improvement because I just want to, I mean, if he could get to the point where, you know, he's strong enough to go head to head with those guys on the next level, that's fine. And I, by the way, I do think he's a D1 guy. I think if he was to play FBS, he would probably be more of a rotational, maybe change of back, probably won't play until like his junior or senior year. You know, we'll probably get in special teams and whatnot. I could see him there on the FCS level. I could see him as somebody who could be a lead back for a team there, in my opinion, because he could do so much. You know, uh, also you could play you know, defense as well. I think it's worth looking at his defensive stats. So that means personally, he could probably ball out on special teams and do his thing there. Um, but I, 
So there you go. So I think he's capable of doing those those things. If he was to take a D2 offer, he'd be a star. I think he would be a stat leader on the D2 level, personally. So there you go there. But right now, uh, no offers as of January 6, 2022, at least none that we could find online. Whack. So whack. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, because he is a state champion. He's a great athlete all around. He he will find a spot. I think if he wants to go Juco so that he could get that recognition, that's cool. He'll still do his thing there. You know, he'll catch, he'll receive, he'll do all that. I'm not super worried about him. Arguably, Frank Ortega is probably the second most versatile player on this entire list. So, you know, there you go. Like, I would actually play, I would consider playing him at slot and seeing what happens and, you know, have him take on that role as a, as an athlete, you know, put him at slot, maybe put him outside, uh, you know, play him a little bit at running I back here I could see him there. play slot corner even. Like, yeah, that I too. I feel like he has good ball he's skills. just so skilled. Yeah, he has phenomenal ball skills, probably the best ball skills on this list, or at least that's how I rated his receiving was a nine. And so I think that if you're a school, you should take a chance on him for the simple fact that I mean, literally, if one thing doesn't work out, something else will. Like, he's just too good at too many positions to not get him offered. And I really think that he could be a, a solid receiver on the FCS level. I think he'd be better than some of the receivers on our top receivers list on the FCS level. Uh, mainly oh, yeah. number five, but... Um, yeah, easily. I, I think that, you know, he's just too good of an athlete to on the outside looking in so colleges you need to hit up frank ortega out of fort morgan he and if you're worried about the competition he played he played the best 3a schools that could definitely put it to four and even 5a schools i i have no doubt about that i have no doubt yeah. that a mead or a lutheran or a frederick or a roosevelt I, they could beat some 5a teams i have zero doubt about that and so could this fort morgan team in big part, thanks to Frank Ortega. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt there. Um, I mean, dude, kid's a beast, you know. And then, you know, if you're worried about, oh, Fort Morgan, nobody ever good from there comes out from Fort Morgan. Uh, the McBride brothers, Trey McBride, actually, you know, the, this year's John Mackey winner that goes to the best tight end in the entire country for collegiate football. He came from Fort Morgan. You know, a bunch of other players have come from Fort Morgan before. So let's not act like, you know, Fort Morgan is, uh, you know, low-key putting out more players, uh, you know, to college like some of these other higher-level 4A and 5A teams. Because they do, you know. Not only, like, guys that can play, but guys that can excel on that level. So just keep that in mind. You know, I think Frank Ortega, I mean, he's, he's an absolute monster out there. I mean, what more can I say, you know? I'm very excited to see where he plays next. I think he's somebody that has a lot of talent. He's somebody that, you know, if a team gets hit with the injury bug, he could literally be their savior. So I'm just throwing that out there. I really, truly believe that. But with that being said, um, I realized I didn't say the final rating for Gavin Sanchuk. I'm not going to say that. He already has stars. But for Frank Ortega, personally, as a final grade, I have him at an 82 out of 100, so 82 flat. So that's about a three-star um yeah that's about a three star you know mid to lower uh, you could you know decide what you want there but uh 
Cody, what was your grade for Frank Ortega here? My final grade was 81.5. Um, so, yeah, three-star guy and uh, under-recruited for sure. But who did we both rate higher than him? Coming up next. Hi, y'all. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm joined here by Coach V, and I, myself, am Cody Stoffer, talking about our top 2022 senior running backs here in Colorado. And here at number two, you know, you thought that, uh, you know, we've talked about a 5A guy, we've talked about a 2A guy, we've talked about a 3A guy. Now we got a 1A guy here. I believe that this is, is this like the second 1A guy who's made one of these lists, I want to say? uh outside of like miles i think but anyways yeah no i think maybe the last one a guy to make this for this year at least so yeah so and uh you may be asking well how can a how could a one a guy make a top five list and i'm gonna tell you exactly how as i'm talking about our voted on one a most valuable playmaker winner from our one a award show make sure to give that a listen and hear more on Mason Clonch, our number two running back in the senior class. This guy, he's phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm going to just talk about, I gave him nines in three separate categories. Uh, it may vary a little bit here from Coach V, but I gave his footwork a nine here. And I gave his speed a nine and his acceleration a nine. And... I think that it's very obvious, as you saw what he did for the Centauri Falcons in their state championship bid. He's our last state champion here on this list, actually. And, you know, he was a an integral part of the run that Centauri made all the way to CSU Pueblo and was integral to their championship win as well. You know, he's incredible on both sides of the ball. But as a running back, I just think that his agility and change of direction is so fluid and so smooth you know i gave him an 8.9 out of that and then you know the burst that he has out of those breaks you know is just very impressive and is you know obviously you can't change direction like that without the balance and body control but being able to change direction and then maintain a high speed i mean look the cameras have a hard time keeping up with him on his highlight reel and you know a lot of people may be like, well, what is his speed really? You know, he's a 1A guy. He's going against 1A competition. Not only does he leave people in the dust in 1A, but, oh my, like they'll, 1A boys, one thing that I can say about them is that they hustle and they don't give up on a play. Like I can tell you that in a lot of these other running backs films, you know, they're kind of trying to chase a guy down and then they kind of give up around the five yard line. 1A guys will chase you from end zone to end zone routinely and you know i think that was that was something that was obvious when we looked at miles sprague and while just looking through all of these 1a guys is that their hustle is you know it's different than some of the guys on 4 and 5a because they know that they have to go an extra mile to to get the looks and even with that extra hustle that extra boost multiple people and that physical brand of football mason clonch still smokes these guys to the end zone and i swear he leaves a little bit of a flame trail 
as he runs down the sideline because of how much speed he picks up. I mean, just that extra gear that he kicked into in that state championship game was unlike most things I'd seen all year watching live football week in and week out, watching multiple games a week, watching streams of games. It was just so different live to see Mason Clunch and that acceleration that, you know, is patented to him and the fast break Falcons. Uh, one of the more fun storylines and one that I'm looking forward to talking about on our season and review episode, you know, next week. But Simon, I don't want to take away everything. And, uh, you know, I know heading into the season, I was like, well, Centauri, we should keep an eye on them for 1A state championship because this guy, Mason Clunch, he did it all for them last year. And I think that he could be even better this year. Did he live up to that hype or what? Well, first off, Cody, our season in review episode will actually come out this Friday. Or, sorry, next Friday. So, there you go. Actually, you said next week, but I was thinking this episode will come out on Monday. So, actually, I'm an idiot. Thanks for correcting me for no reason. (laughs) There's no correction there. I'm correcting myself, so I'm an idiot. So, with that being said, let me go ahead and talk about stats here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On on this year, okay, on this year, uh, you know, he he had a solid... Uh, 968 rushing yards and 16 rushing touchdowns. Uh, had the lowest amount of carries. Well, actually, no. This is really weird. Kay Palmer and him actually had the same number of carries at 113 carries, I think. So that's interesting. But definitely, so tied for the lowest number of carries on this list and probably in our honorable mentions as well. So 968 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns. So he did his thing there. But I kind of want to talk about his career uh, yardage because he did it all. You know, obviously he's a great athlete, great track athlete, and all that. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll spit out some track stats out there because I know, you know, um, a lot of our listeners may tend to be 5A, 4A biased. Don't lie about it. You are. You're a 5A or 4A bias. You think just because you play on the 5A level, you're magically better. That is false. Personally, I don't care what level you play on. If you're a dog, I'm going to recruit you. If you're a dog, I'm going to talk about you. And so that's who Mason Quanch is. He's a certified dog, and he can and will beat out a lot of the athletes on the 5A and 4A level and maybe even be the missing piece to a lot of those teams if he was to play on the 5A or 4A level. But like I said, let me talk about his career stats. Uh, He has, you know, got varsity snaps since he was a freshman, but it wasn't really until I would say – his maybe sophomore year where he got consistent, you know, snaps and whatnot as a running back. But, you know, so basically in three years, he had about 300, 288 career rushing yards and 58 rushing touchdowns on only 400 carries uh, for career averaging eight yards per carry, 8.1 yards per carry, which is pretty dang good. But, total touchdowns he scored in his career is at 80 because he also has about 15 receiving touchdowns um throughout his whole career nine of those receiving touchdowns came as a freshman as a freshman he did play more receiver than running back he had 19 receptions about 400 yards nine touchdowns then as a sophomore did take on more responsibilities as a running back had 124 carries but he also had 26 receptions for about 400 yards and five touchdowns there 
And so this dude's a dog. He could catch it. He could run it. If you look at his film, you know, well, if you look at his senior film, you know, he didn't really catch the ball a whole lot on offense, but on defense, you know, he has really good ball skills. Probably better ball skills than a lot of 4A and 5A running backs, if I'm being completely honest with you. He's somebody that could go up go up and moss anybody, straight up, because he's Makes that guy. wow catches constantly. Yeah, he could make contested catches easily. You know, he could catch it over two or three guys easily as well. I don't doubt that. You know, so his receiving, um, you know, honestly, just him as a receiver, he's, he's elite, I would say. I, he's another guy that I would actually put, be pretty okay putting out a wide receiver because he could go up and get it and just dominate DBs because he's also 6'1", 180. So he's pretty built as well. So there you go there. Now, you know, as far as ratings go, I have a lot of the same ratings as Cody did, you know, so I'm not going to talk about that too much. Uh, but I did, I'm going to talk about this one rating though. This is his highest one. I did give him a nine for speed here. Um, usually a nine goes to four star guys. In my opinion, if I give you a nine, you either run a four five or a four four at least. Mason Quanch is definitely in that conversation. You know, not only is he a football star, but he is also a track star. So let me go ahead and talk about some of his best finishes because here's the thing: you could talk about level of competition, you know, play all that stuff. In track, it's the same yardage, bro. <laughs> it's it's the same you can't change that you can't be like oh what's a different level of competition no bro 100 meters is 100 meters and his best 100 meter time is 11.27 seconds that's pretty good you know um i want to say he actually got first place uh actually on the 2a level 11.27 seconds there uh, his 200 meter time 22.4 seconds 400 meter time 49.7 seconds i'm looking at his track stats right now he has competed in the 100 meter 200 meter 400 meter 4 by 100 meter these are realized by by the way 4 by 200 meter and 4 by 400 meter he has not placed well he's actually only placed second place once and that was in the chassa to a state championships um he got second place for the 200 meter uh basically so there you go other than that first place all around this kid's fast he's a, he has 4-4 speed at 6 180 and he has a little bit of wiggle to him he is an elite running back and he deserves to be up here he could replace a lot of 4a 5a 3a 2a running backs 1a running backs obviously that's just who he is mesa quash from satari he's a big reason why they also won their first ever state championship so there you go um, that being said, Cody, do you mind if I talk about some areas of improvements here real quick? Send it. Okay, so, you know, look, uh, I mean, honestly, I don't really have a lot. I think maybe his acceleration could be a little bit better. He does need a little bit of a platform to get to his top end speed. Um, I gave him a 7.8, 7.9 here. But other than that, you know, he has very solid stats here. Uh, basically everything is an 8.5. I did give him an 8.2 for power and explosiveness. I didn't really see a lot of that on his senior film. Um, you know, a little bit of it on his junior film for sure. But don't get it twisted. He's still somebody who could be up there. I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest. If I was to give him, you know, higher than 8.5, then that would be classifying him probably as more of a power back. Like I said, I mean, Leonard Fournette is probably the only guy that 
I mean, coming out of high school, that is, that I would give nines on speed, agility, all that, and power, you know, so just keep that in mind. That's, that's, you know, probably fair when you're keeping in mind that's like the threshold here. So there you go there. Uh, we'll love to see a little bit more blocking. You know, I did give him a 6.5 here. Uh, he does have some blocking film here, which is pretty good. You know, he gets in there. Uh, I would just say on the next level, you know, I'd like to see him be able to block like that on the next level, really be good in pass protection and whatnot, and just neutralize guys straight up because I think he has the frame at 6'1", 180 to do that, you know, and the strength probably. I think it just comes down to more of a skill thing there. So, uh, so yeah. Um, and then other than that, I would say maybe, you know, he could run with a little bit more bounce, you know, break a couple more tackles here or there. You know, I think on this level, it works out really, really well. On the next level, I think he could definitely get stronger. He's only 6'1", 180. I think if ideally he gets to the 6'1", 200 range, he's going to be perfect. That should improve his uh, tackle breaking and all that and his power as well. So uh, there you go. Cody, is there anything else you want to add on before we talk outlook? Yeah, just real quick, I do want to say that he is the highest rated blocker on this top five list for me. I gave him a seven. Specifically, I think that his biggest play in the pass block game is he did pick up a blitz from Jeremiah Leeper, uh, who is one of the best players in 1A football and, you know, a, a guy who just missed the list. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in a sec. But he did pick up a blitz in that state championship game, and he has before. As long as it's straight in front of him, he does a great job of getting leverage and popping. I just think that he needs a little bit more work in the film room to round that out a little bit. I also do agree with Simon that his tackle breaking can be a little bit more. Um, and just, uh, yeah, basically that. Just getting a little bit stronger and being a bit more focused, I'd say, in the passing game. Because I don't think that it's not that he doesn't know where to block, but I think that he just doesn't care about it as much. And the fact that he has a seven while being kind of lackadaisy about it is really a testament on just how good he is at raw blocking. And he can block very well in the run game, too. And he can run routes like a receiver, as Simon stated, because of his experience playing wide receiver. So, you know, he's somebody who could trust a block downfield as well, which I love to see. And his run blocking is phenomenal. But I think that he just has to, you know, he, he needs a coach who has to inspire him to want it a little bit more in the pass blocking game, probably. But with all that being said, I think it's a good time to talk about Outlook and looking at his Twitter. It's a pretty bare Twitter, I will say, but he is followed by the offensive grad assistant at uh, San Diego State University. And he is also followed by the assistant coach at Chadron State College. Simon, do you know anything else about his recruiting and or where do you think Mason Klon should play? Because I think that uh, personally, he's kind of uh, under-recruited as well. Well, I tried looking at his Instagram and seeing if there's anything there. Maybe if he got tagged in some recruiting posts and stuff like that. But most of the stuff that he's been tagged in was stuff that we tagged him in. So, boom, there you go. Um, no, I don't know if he has any offers right now. I would announce it. If, okay, first off, if you're if you're a recruit out there or you're a senior out there, you know, announce your offers. You know, it, it never hurts to make some colleges jealous. But I think Mason Clanch is somebody that could be D1. I think, you know, if he was to go to an FCS team, I'm looking at probably UNC 
Um, he could carve out a role for himself out there. If not on offense, then definitely on special teams, you know. And also, I think he's somebody who could potentially play both ways. Like, I think um, right now he's like 6'1", 180, played a lot of safety and stuff like that. But I think he could also potentially play linebacker on the next level. I think he has the build for it. If he gets up to 200, you know, I think he would be in a very good spot to play linebacker on the next level for sure. You know, just because of his athleticism there, his ball skills, all that great stuff. You know, but, uh, yeah, I think he's D1 for sure. I think he could be a star on the FCS level. I think as far as FBS goes, he could definitely push some players. You know, he could uh, he could make the locker room uncomfortable uh, because, you know, he's a threat. To, uh, you know, he's a competitor and whatnot. And whatnot. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think he could definitely be a threat and push some players on the FBS level. Regardless, I think he's D1, you know, um, talent-wise. So, so yeah. Um, no. Plus, because of his ability to play defense, I think that makes him into a pretty proficient guy on special teams. Got to keep that in mind. You know, I think he's a pretty solid tackler, pretty good tackler. And that could uh, speed up, you know, how fast he plays on the next level. But don't get it twisted. I think he's for sure a next-level guy. I think, you know, if he doesn't get the offers he wants, he could always take the Corey Taha route and go walk on somewhere, you know, because Corey Taha, he was very similar, being a very good athlete himself, and he bet on himself there too over at CSU. So, yeah. Cody, what do you think? He absolutely could walk on at, I think, a handful of D1 schools, and D1s need to take a look at him. He's so freaking versatile. And I think too many people get scared by the level of competition, but the film doesn't lie. Like you watch this guy and everything that we talked about, his body control, his receiving, his footwork, his vision, none of that has anything to do with, you know, the level of competition. And also I'd say that, you know, as far as the level of competition that he played, a lot of these defenses call more complex defenses than 5A or 4A programs do sometimes. And a lot of these offenses, I mean, he also helped spank a 2A program that won their conference last year in Pagosa Springs. So, like, he played up and dominated on that next tier, and I'm positive he would be able to do that on the 3A level on the 4A level, on the 5A level. And, you know, he has a frame and size that is D1 at 6 foot, 180 pounds, you know. So it's not like a Frank Ortega where it's like, uh, you know, he's he's kind of undersized. Like, no, Mason Clonch is adequately sized to play a plethora of positions. It The number of touchdowns that he's scored in his football career is ludicrous, is a great way to describe it. He just scores from anywhere and everywhere on the field. He can score from defense. He can score from special teams. He can score a running back. He can score a wide receiver. And so I just don't see how this guy isn't recruited. I think that he's a phenomenal running back. I think he has also speed doesn't lie. Like you referenced all of those track numbers, his 40 yard dash time speed doesn't lie. He has division one speed. So, you know, I think that honestly, that these FCS schools need to take a look at him and just be like, wow, we're going to get a st- If we land this guy, then the sky's the limit for Mason Clonch, I think, on the next level as a do-it-all kind of kind of player. He's somebody who I think on the D1 level could play as a true freshman. I really think he could. Uh, whether that be at running back or whether that be on special teams, you know, 
just because of how athletic and strong he is in general. And, you know, with those D1 facilities, I can't even fathom how far he can go. But, uh, yeah. And my final grade for Mason Clonshear was an 82.8, actually. Wow. Which is good. Yeah, which is a whole almost point and a half higher than uh, number three here. So I I I really like Mason Clonch here. I think that, you know, he's a three star ish guy here now. I think that he could play better than a four star guy. Um literally next year. I think that he's just so well rounded. A lot of guys, you know, they get recruited because they're just, you know, phenomenal athletes, raw athletes. But Mason Clonch, he's that and more as far as a football player. Uh, Simon, if you want to talk about your final grade, go for it. Uh, otherwise, take us to the break. Yeah. Um, look, I gave him an 82.4, so really close to Cody. I would agree. He's definitely – I would rank him as a three-star guy if it wasn't for that uh, lack of recognition on the 1A level here in Colorado. Um well, you know, 1A Colorado football in general, because I know there's our – I could already hear the haters being like, ah, he doesn't run a 4-4. Yeah, why don't you go out to Lahara and, uh, you know, go race him real quick. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to waste your time with that because I think he's legit enough, you know. So there you go. I think Mason Clutch, when it comes down to it, could outcompete and outperform a lot of players that are put on scholarship for a lot of football programs, and that's just facts. And that should scare a lot of those, uh, you know, recruits and whatnot that may think they got it done after they earned their scholarship and after they sign. You know, I think he's somebody legitimately if he does, you know, land at some D2 or whatever, he could be a league winner. If you're a coach who needs your job saved, he could be a job savior for you because it's like, oh, shoot, who's this guy? From Lahara, Colorado, sure, he was a state champ and whatnot, and, you know, a track champ and whatnot, but how good is he really? And then he wins you your league, and then he wins you a couple games. At the very least, he puts butts in the stands because he's that electrifying, you know? Take a chance on him. See what happens. He's a winner, proven through and through, you know? And I have a lot of respect for Mason Quanch, and I want to see him play on the next level because I think he could really make some scholarship guys sweat he could really be a, oh, where'd this guy come from type of guy? And we'll say, we, we've been known about Mason Quanch. One day, been known about Mason Quanch longer than us. He's terrorized them forever, you know. And so we'll just have to see. But I think he is extremely deserving of this number two spot here. Um, without a doubt, you know, this is probably the most sure I've been. Yeah, well, okay, maybe not the most sure I've been making these top fives. I'm always pretty much the most sure about the number one guy. But as far as the number two spot go, I am very positive he deserves to be here and more. And he's going to prove it to you. So just watch. But that's all I got to say about Mason Quanch uh, here from Centauri. Coming up next, we're going to talk about our number one guy, but we're also going to talk about the millions that didn't make this top five list in our honorable mentions. Welcome back to episode 98 Playmakers Corner podcast, talking top five senior running backs here in the beautiful state of Colorado 
I am joined here by Coach V, and I am one of your hosts, Cody Stauffer. And if you have snoozed through the last segments, our list, starting at five, went Cade Palmer of your The Classical Academy Titans. At number four, we had the four-star back, Gavin Sawchuk out of Valor Christian. At number three, the Fort Fort Morgan Mustangs sent forth Frank Ortega. And at number two, the Fast Break Falcons, produced their most valuable, the 1A most valuable playmaker and the number two running back on this list, Mason Clonch. And at number one, we'll be coming up here after we shout out all of these phenomenal runners here in the state of Colorado. As I stated at the beginning of this episode, we had a list of like 30 guys. So really quickly, I'm going to talk about, you know, guys that, you know, are just on the outside looking in, but are also phenomenal talents. And, you know, we've said all of these guys are D1 talent, and there is some D1 talent sitting in these honorable mentions as well. I won't specify necessarily who, but some guys who did find success this year was, uh, you know, Parker Ayers out of Frederick. He was one of our 3A Offensive Playmaker of the Year candidates and won Coach Booten's vote. Then you also had Connor Ladd out of Lakewood, who is a great pass catching and running back. Connor Cook out of Palmer Ridge, a team that made it to the quarterfinals this year. And, you know, as Coach V said, if you need a yard, he'll get you a yard. Uh, Kale Shaver out of Bayfield, he was another candidate for our 2A Offensive Player of the Year, I believe. And, you know, he's a great pass catching back. Dorian Pacheco out of Lutheran, who actually won our Defensive Playmaker of the Year for the 3A level. He was a great running back there. Isaiah Davis at Denver East. Sam Sherry of Basal High School was another baller. Justice Lilly out of Longmont. Ryan Segovia out of Bear Creek, who's just a phenomenal ball player who I got to see live. Finn Cooper out of Kent, Denver. Uh, Jean Aguilar, I believe is how you said that, out of Florence High School. Also going to shout out Desmond Oliver of Fountain Fort Carson, who had a phenomenal year. And Caleb Tyson or Tyson out of Erie High School, who made some big plays in that 4A state championship and was another guy in consideration. Other guys who got scored was Braylon Tate out of Fort or out of Legacy, that is in Fort Collins. My bad. And you know he he had a phenomenal year and just scored a little bit below some of these other guys. Parker Ayers, as I mentioned, he was another guy who we graded. Uh, Seth Cromwell out of Columbine High School. He was a baller this year who won Playmaker of the Week, I believe, once or twice, and you know was just very good in that columbine system jeremiah leaper another running back in the long list of successful running backs out of lyman high school who just narrowly missed this list he was also rated at basically a c minus so probably a two-star recruit kind of guy kelton turner who was just outside of my list here at a solid c and i think is a three-star guy out of meeker high school who's one of the better pass catchers i believe i rated him as like the fourth best pass catcher in this class and he was a huge playmaker for that meeker team and you know i'm gonna pass it to simon to talk about our last two honorable mentions uh one being a guy who is on our top five linebackers list and another guy who just seriously missed making this list by like 0.1 of a point on his grade so two different guys and then simon's going to talk about our number one guy yeah, I just want to shout out my Greeley Central homie, uh, here, Chino Salazar. You know, I feel like I just said his name wrong. Uh, Chino, 
from Greeley Central is our number four rated line, inside linebacker in the state of Colorado in the class of 2022, I believe. Um, excellent running back as well. He could probably play running back on a D2 or FCS, to be honest with you. So there you go, though. Uh, there, you know, obviously has hands, could break a bunch of tackles, has good speed, you know, pretty strong for somebody at his size. So there you go. And the other guy I really want to talk about is Zion Hill, the running back from Pine Creek. For me, he literally missed this list by one point. Um, you know, then that guy being Cade Palmer at number five. No, but Zion Hill, he was a workhorse for Pine Creek. A big reason why they had a resurgence this year and bounced back. Probably could have made a run at state if, uh, you know, well, you know, Judge Roy didn't get hurt and they just focused on Zion Hill. But Zion Hill, he ate, he did his thing. I think he's a very good overall athlete and whatnot, but he's going to miss this list just barely because I don't think he's as good an overall athlete as some of the other guys here. So there you go there. But I just wanted to give him his credit because, I mean, this dude's an absolute beast. He's somebody that can play on the next level and succeed and be somebody's workhorse. So, yeah, there you go. Um, I think that is it. I mean, respect to all the guys who didn't make our list. They, it was a lot of fun. You know, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of really fun good running back film just to watch and look at like it's entertaining but at the end of the day we have to grade which is why we decided to pull out these rubrics for this and obviously we'll be using rubrics from here on out but i think this is very fair um you know to grade it this way because there are just a lot of guys who made a lot of big plays here connor cook i mean he's a guy that he's gonna break at least two or three tackles a run which is insane you know braylon tate four four that's all you really got to know there. He's an excellent athlete. You know, and all the rest of these guys, Kelton Turner and Jeremiah Leaper, you know, guys who put on for their 1A teams as well. Uh, excellent running backs who can play on the next level for sure, you know. So just want to give them all respect. But uh, Cody, if you don't mind, you mind if I talk about the number one rated running back in the class of 2022? Please do. I am extremely happy to announce this i'm not even gonna lie but it's legend running back bryce buzz committed to our alma mater the university of northern colorado and look man this guy has been underrated i think because of gavin sonchuk he has been very much overshadowed even though i think he's a legit three-star to four-star uh prospect for sure you know if you look at the film he carried for his team and obviously that legend team had a bunch of studs jackson brush breckin riser uh, by the way got interviews with both so you know both just studs in their own way as receivers um third quarterback as well colton warner um you know he's a pretty good quarterback may or may not make our top five list stay tuned for that you know that'll be here coming out here in a couple weeks but bryce Vaz, you know i mean legend has had a lot of good running backs but Bryce Vaz might be one of the best ones to come out from there. You know, he has not, for me, he has nines on one, two, three, seven of the 10 categories. He has nines of seven of the 10 categories. Those categories are vision, footwork, agility, change of direction, balance, body control, tackle breaking, and acceleration. You know, so he has nines, at least a nine in all of those. Um, actually, at least a 9.2 in all of those. That's more accurate. 
You know, I think he's legitimately a guy that can potentially be an NFL guy someday. You know, first off, the thing that really stands out to me about Bryce Vaz is that, I mean, dude is shifty. You know, very good body control, very good agility and change of direction, could change on a dime and not lose any speed at all. You know, he is that dangerous as well. His speed, I did put actually at a nine. My bad, I went there. But other than that, everything else uh, that I said, those seven of ten categories, um, you know, he got an at least 9.2. And but other than that, you know, he's just extremely shifty. He's somebody that is tough to break down on because he could change directions real quick. The other thing that really makes him like just dangerous is his, oh my god, I can't talk. The other thing that really makes him dangerous is his acceleration. You know, um, reminds me almost a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. The way Le'Veon. Prime Le'Veon Bell, obviously not the one that got cut from the Ravens. But, you know, Steelers Le'Veon Bell, that's what I'm talking about. You know, the kind of guy that can make a bunch of cuts and then just explode at the hole. You know, make a cut and boom, go. You know, kind of dead look a guy and then boom, go. Like, he is very dangerous, you know, somebody who could afford to be a patient runner because he could get out of there quick and hit his top end speed real quick, you know. Very, very efficient running from Bryce Vaz here, which is why he's able to pick apart so many defenses, honestly. You know, he is just, like, it's like an artist, you know, just watching him do his thing out there. It's like an artist. I did get to watch him play. I want to say it was more than once, but the thing that stood out the most to me when I watched him play, because uh, I watched him play against Douglas County, and, you know, Douglas County, they're all right. They got some guys there. Um, you know, obviously, A.J. Jackson, Chase Nelson, Stonebreaker, they play both sides of the ball. Now, Bryce Vaz was able to do his thing against them, and, you know, it was beautiful because um, it's just a work of art. Like, he has excellent vision as well, so he knows where he wants to go. He could see levels and levels and levels ahead, you know. And then when it comes down to it, you know, defenders can't tackle him straight up because of his, like, just body control, agility, his ability to get in and out of his top speed, just effortlessly. Oh, my God. Just effortlessly, you know, he is that guy. I'm extremely excited for him to come to Northern Colorado. I think he could be a day one starter, in my opinion. But we'll save that look for later here. Cody, is there anything else you want to add on here? Because I don't want to take everything. And I can feel myself getting super excited about this kid because I think he's an absolute stud and an absolute steal here for UNC. And honestly, I think he's undisputedly the number one running back in the state of Colorado. And it's not that close. Yeah, so here I have the highest footwork in a class with a 9.3. I don't give out nines. I just want to put that out there. I'm stingy with my nines, but Bryce Vaz earned one, two, three, four, five nines here. Like I said, a 9.3 in footwork. His ability to chop it up and make defenders' ankles cease to exist. He doesn't just break them. He erases them. He snaps them like straight Thanos snaps them out of existence with his footwork. His agility and change of direction. He is so smooth moving from one side of the field to the next and transitioning. He just is so effortless in the way that he moves. His speed at a 9.1. He's the fastest running back in the state of Colorado. 9.3 acceleration. Not only is he the fastest running back in Colorado in a straight line race, but he's also the quickest to get to his top speed as once he hits that gear, it just all falls into place. One foot in front of the other, impossible to catch him. 
And then also his last nine is a flat nine at balance and body control. This is how he's able to stay up, how he just bounces off of defenders or defenders bounce off of him. He's so good at staying square and playing really low and using leverage to win these battles because, you know, he's not the biggest guy on this list, but just how well he's able to wield his body, his center of gravity. He knows where it is and he plays at that level all the time. He plays at such a low pad level. It's very impressive. It's something that I've talked about consistently with in the past and a reason why I'm so excited about Bryce here at the number one spot. And, you know, his receiving as well. He got an 8.8 in receiving and an 8.8 in power and explosiveness. Once he sticks that foot in the dirt, he is as good as gone or upfield. And I think that these obviously get boosted here. Uh, you know, receiving wise, he lines up in the slot. He's caught passes out of the slot. And, you know, he catches the screens. He catches the Texas routes. He runs, you know, a very similar route tree-ish to a Mason Clanch. But I just think that his hands are better. And then on top of that, you know, I think that his explosiveness speaks for itself and his power is a huge reason why he's able to break through tackles. There's one point where he sticks his foot in the dirt, he cuts up field, and he just literally blasts through these three defenders who try and tackle him. And I imagine it's kind of like a cannonball getting shot through a piece of drywall. There is just no stopping that momentum or that velocity. And then, you know, he also has an 8.9 in vision here. So if he didn't get a nine in a category, he got a borderline nine in a lot of other categories. He is a phenom for sure. He is a football prodigy and he is our number one senior running back in the class of 2022. And with all that being said, I am going to talk about some reasons here why, you know, maybe some bigger schools might have gotten scared or worried here and why he did end up being a Northern Colorado Bear and Go Bears, no disrespect, but he definitely can be a Power 5 FBS guy. But I think some of the reasons why they might have got scared is his blocking was a concern for me. I did give his blocking a 5. I'm not the biggest fan of his technique, frame, or just numbers in general. I I've seen him with on a block. So, you know, that causes concern, but there are times where he can, you know, plant. And as long as the guy's coming at him, he will stand his ground is what I will say for Bryce Faz for the most part. And then lastly, you know, tackle breaking slash strength. I did get a 7.5 and a huge part of that came from a very poor performance that he had against Mullen high school Earlier in the season against Legend, this is definitely a game that they should not have lost. And even discussing it with the Legend boys, they admitted, yeah, that's a game that we win nine other times out of ten. And in that game, you know, this is back to me speaking, but in that game, Bryce did put the ball on the rug three times against, you know, a Mullen team that did not produce a top five guy at any of our senior defensive positions so far and I don't know about if they will be able to for Edge. They're a very young team, to be fair, but I don't know about that. And so, you know, ball security is something I factor in here in tackle breaking and strength. And that's why he ends up at a seven and a half here. Simon, are there any other areas of improvement you want to impart to Bryce here before talking about his career as a UNC Bear? 
Yeah, um, so blocking is definitely a little bit of concern. I didn't really see a lot of that, so I had to go off a frame. You know how that could get, you know, so I did give him a five for blocking. That's the only thing that's not above an 8.5 on this thing, actually. Uh, But like I said, I didn't see a lot of it, so I went, you know, straight to frame, and so that's just how we're going to go with that. Uh, You know, you could say if it's fair or not, whatever, it is what it is. But the thing with that, I mean, you know, uh, hey, Bryce Savaz is the type of guy that you want to get the ball in his hands as many times as possible. So I'd be more surprised if UNC didn't have him going out for a pass in passing situations rather than keeping, you know, keeping him in. But you never know. And so I, I would just advise him to, you know, continue to get stronger, adjust to that next level, you know, and be ready to take on blocks. You know, you don't have to completely neutralize the guy, but if you could buy, um, sorry, I, I almost said the wrong name. If you could buy McCaffrey, um, you know, he's the quarterback there right now, an extra second or so. That should be enough, you know. So just keep that in mind. Continue to work on that. Um, yeah, continue to get bigger, I think, is the biggest thing. You know, put on more uh, weight and whatnot. Other than that, I don't have too much here. I think he is honestly as play-ready as they come, you know, especially for the FCS level. Like, I think he is he's ready, you know. And so, um, Cody, do you mind if I talk about Outlook here? We know he's committed to Northern Colorado. That's you know, that's, that's not- yeah, we bet knew that. And also, I just wanted to clarify real quick, kind of a non sequitur here in the middle, but keep your eye out for Wildcat quarterbacks. I know a lot of people were asking questions about uh, in our polls about like a Jake Marshall and an Eddie Lemos. Uh, that'll be a list for another day. These are for true, pure running backs here. But go ahead and tell us about what you think his outlook looks like as a bear. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't think UNC signed any other running back on early signing day. At least I don't remember. I was following that pretty close. I always do. Um, love Northern Colorado. Obviously got my degree from there. So did Cody. You know, and so, uh, you know, we're always going to be big alma maters. We're going to be biased towards them. So, you know, whenever we interview players, we're always going to be like, hey, what about – what about UNC? You know, what about UNC? But uh, And in between the scenes, we also give them plenty of tough love, too. But that's because we care. Well, it's not in between the scenes if it's on air a lot. So <laughs> there you go there. But I, I'm looking at UNC's roster. or a, Well, it's the roster because I can't find their depth chart. So that sucks. <laughs> but there are a couple running backs on here right now. Um Julian Eisen, you know, he's a redshirt junior. I believe this is from this year, so just keep that in mind. So he's a redshirt junior right now. Uh, he'll probably be on the roster next year. I don't know why he wouldn't be unless he transfers. Um, Drew, Drew Wilson, I think, was a grad student this year. But I don't think he has any more years of eligibility. See, COVID screws up with all that, so I think he is moving on so there you go um other running backs there's jair moore uh probably the biggest running back on here six foot 215 but he is also another redshirt junior so that'll mean next year uh he'll be a senior if he does decide to stay and then the only freshman at least that i could find or sorry there are two freshmen on here uh but there's jacquez robertson he's a freshman this year Gene Sledge, um, 
who is actually the biggest guy. I think he might be more of a fullback, though. He's 6'2", 235. We'll see how that works out. But he is a freshman here as well. Other than that, I don't see any other running backs on this list. I do see two fullbacks. One is a freshman. One is a redshirt sophomore. But that doesn't mean anything, you know. So... There you go there. Uh, I just quote past Wilson Clark's picture. So there are two freshmen on the roster, but mm, I don't know. I, I would say, first off, because of the depth chart situation, he'll probably redshirt his first year. I would actually advise him to do that. Like, hey, you know, redshirt, focus on school. Obviously, you know, focus on getting bigger, all the stuff we talked about, right? Uh, but do all that stuff. And... Uh, look, stack up on the easy classes, you know. Cody and I, we are both very familiar with uh, UNC's academics and whatnot. Me in sports and exercise science, Cody is more of the business route, right? Just I technically for- graduated in the uh, School of Sport and Exercise Science. What was your degree? It's in sports administration. But my, I'm looking at my degree, and it says uh, Bachelor of Science in uh, Sport and Exercise Science. Okay. So. Well, maybe not as much diversity <laughs> as I thought. <laughs> well, I, 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 I am rounded in the business aspect, yes. I, yeah, I okay. So there you go. Either way, whatever major you pick at UNC, the first year, you usually have a lot of your easier, like, uh, you know, shoot, what is it called? Is it liberal arts? Prerequisites. Well, or prerequisites, but yeah. Or are you talking about like the LACs? The LACs, yeah. Oh wait, so liberal, stop dragging me back through college. I already yeah. made it, but anyways. Yeah, liberal arts credit. So I'm right. Get as many of those done as possible. That took a really long time to get there, but literally though, get as many of those done as possible. Obviously, pass them. Don't like, you know, just be failing all of them as you go. I don't know why you would do that. But get those done so that, you know, when your time does come to play, you don't have to take as many college classes as you're playing football and practicing and preparing for it. You know, be smart about it, right? Uh, Get used to it and all that stuff. So there you go. Um, Yeah. And then after that, I think it's game. You know, two seniors will be graduated from then. Uh, You got two guys in front of you that are a year older, I think at that point, it's like, all right, it's open competition. But the two guys in front of him are kind of heavier guys, so I don't know if they could catch the way Bryce does. So if I were him, I would continue to work on his receiving ability, low-key be able to go out and catch passes as a receiver, because that could be big, and that could mean the difference between starting and riding the bench for a couple years. Because I really, truly think Bryce of Az here, he could uh, shoot up this roster quickly, you know, um, if he wanted to. And whatnot, and depending on the situation as well, I think he's a uh, probably the best offensive weapon. He, well, yeah, he is the best offensive weapon UNC has recruited uh, maybe since Milo Hall. No disrespect to the guys that that interviewed with us that came from JUCOs over in Cali, but uh, Cody, what do you think about all that? What's your take on this? I do think that UNC's utilization of the transfer portal is something to keep in mind. I think that they sign JUCO guys a lot more than most other schools here in Colorado. If I have to be completely honest, I think that they utilize it very well and they've gotten some solid talent out of it. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I think that Bryce Faz's path to starting for this football team is undeniable. I think that, you know, they're getting a new weight room here soon built. 
They're trying to get it set up where the stadium has lights to play night games. So, you know, I think that this is going to be as good of a college atmosphere as you could hope for playing here at UNC. And I think that Bryce Faz is going to put butts in the seats and uh, utilize these new facilities and this new coaching staff to its uh, maximum output here over these next few years as they start to establish their culture, get their guys in and establish an identity. And um, yeah, I could see him being a multiple year guy. I could see him getting on as a redshirt freshman, honestly, uh, on special teams at the bare minimum. Uh, because, you know, he is a dangerous returner, too. This is something to keep in mind and uh, something that I weighed while giving him his excellent vision. But, uh, yeah, that's where I am at with Bryce Bass. And uh, congratulations on the commitment to UNC. Bo Gares, as uh, our old co-worker Cade would say. But uh, hopefully Bryce can turn it into Go Bears as we look to pick up some more wins in the uh, Vaz era. What? Simon, with all that being said, uh, I think it is it around that time of the episode to congratulate everyone for making the list and uh, begin an outro. Yeah. Do you mind? I'll go ahead and do it because I'm going to take initiative. But just so Good that for you don't know, at number five is TCA's Cade Palmer. At number four, we have Valor Christian's Gavin Sawchuk. At number three, we have Fort Morgan's very own Frank Ortega. At number two, we have Centauri's Mason Quanch. And at number one, we have Legends, and now UNC's Bryce Vaz. So there you go. Congrats to all these guys. Um, honestly, look, Colorado has a lot of good running backs. This is probably the list that I may have spent the most time on. Not just like recently, obviously, but I've definitely been looking at a lot of these names for, well, probably since last year. And I'll probably do the same starting for next year's list as well. Well, I actually already have, so too late there. I already did. But um, we put in a lot of work. This isn't easy. You know, grading these guys, getting these categories together. You know, cross-grading as well, because me and Cody obviously have different like grades and definitions. You know, and we're, I mean, you know, that's just how we are. We have different points of views of football. That's how you get this thing done. But it's hard, you know, doing these breakdowns, especially for running back and taking, in fact, like, you know, level of competition, you know, how fast are they really, how strong are they really, all that great stuff. But truly, you know, you or truly Colorado has a lot of great running backs, you know, backs who arguably face the most complicated weather in the entire country you know they'll play in the snow rain sun whatever but these guys are built different regardless so just keep that in mind but regardless congrats to all these guys and uh you know if you want to go ahead and take a look at our other top fives you are welcome to we are almost done with this series i believe we only have edge rushers quarterbacks and that's it wildcat well we, oh yeah wildcat yeah wildcat quarterbacks athletes that's probably going to be a little bit more of a messier um episode but that too so uh yeah tune in for that in that order as well you know so that will be done by the end of january with that so that'll be super exciting but if you want to know when those drops uh go ahead and follow us on social media that's at playmakers corner you know on facebook instagram twitter tiktok as well also follow our youtube channel we are dropping some content there um you know every now and then and I'm going to go ahead and say this because I think well, this is like, okay, 
but follow us on Twitch at Playmakers Corner. We're going to be doing some live streams there. Look, there's going to be, we understand, there's going to be a lot of requests for film breakdowns. We already have more than we did last year, you know, and, you know, we are going to a couple events as well. Team Full Gorilla tryouts, um, Ducks tryouts, by the way, you know, and shoot, we're going to talk about training facilities. We're going to talk about a bunch of things, honestly, things that will probably work better if we were more in a, you know, relaxed setting. And so we're going to probably live stream those. And then that way we could interact with you, the fans. So if you have questions in real time, you know, we'll talk to you and whatnot. And we'll give you advice. We'll do some live breakdowns as well. So you can kind of see our raw process here, see our, you know, see where our thoughts are at and whatnot. And so I'm just going to go ahead and advertise that. And then obviously if you do miss one of our streams, we're going to upload all of our streams to our YouTube channel. So there you go. You might as well subscribe to both. Um, yeah. Yeah. You might as well subscribe to both. I don't know if we'll be posting them as episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatnot. But regardless, you should still give us a good rating on those. You know, I know on Spotify you could do that now. On Apple Podcasts, go ahead and write us something nice. We appreciate those. We'll probably do a reading of those on a live stream. That'd be a really fun thing to do as well. So there you go. Cody, am I missing anything? Nope. Just uh, thank you all for the support. Thank you for the people who do recognize how much work we put in. And, uh, yeah, we've we've watched probably more football in this past, like, year and a half than uh, a lot of uh, people who, quote-unquote, know what they're talking about uh, have watched in their entire lives. So put some respect on our name if you haven't. If you already have, thank you. And uh, catch you on the next episode.